Um, but what I want to talk to you about this morning is the three marks of a maturing disciple-making community. Because an authentic community is a disciple-making community. An authentic Christian biblical community is a disciple-making community. It's, a, it's something that begins to occur as people are enjoying God and as people are learning who God is and as people are embracing how God has called us to be in light of who He is. Uh, last week, we talked about just the characteristics of authentic community. Um, one of the things was a takeaway last week that I just want to continue to beat that drum is that it is okay at Christ Community Church. It is okay to not be okay. It is not okay to stay not okay. Why? Because Jesus has made a way for all things to be okay. He makes all things okay. He makes all things new. And so, but we also understand that people, um, we have issues. We sin, we struggle, our relationships struggle, our families struggle, we have financial struggles, job issues, we have tons of things going on in life. And we want you to know that, that we don't, you don't need to put a mask on here. One of the big critiques I've heard um, in the Woodlands area uh, by teenagers and adults is many people either wear a mask or feel the pressure to do so. To present publicly that everything is okay. And the challenge with that is, yes, it, it, it gives off an idea of who you believe you are for the world to consume, but it's inauthentic and unreal. I actually had a mentor of mine early on when I was uh, beginning to launch my speaking ministry in the early 2000s. He said to me, he said, Casey, what is the staple of your ministry, the heartbeat? I was like, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, I get that good i mean you want jesus to be like why you do what you do but like you what how's god wired you and gifted you to have an impact in the lives of others and i said man i really think my authenticity is really a staple like being real being a real guy and and he said great he said so on a scale of one to ten uh just talk integrity zero being like one being judas iscariot the guy who betrayed jesus and 10 being the Apostle Paul, where do people view you? You know, trying to be humble, I was like, I don't know, probably a six. And he said, great, what's the reality? I said, maybe a three or four. And he said, well, you've got a big discrepancy in your own integrity. And you're not being authentic with God, and you're not being authentic with yourself, and you're certainly not being authentic with other people. And so I was like, well, what do I start doing? Just going and airing my laundry with everybody else? He says, no. He says, but quit acting like you're more okay than you really are. And that was over a decade ago, and sometimes I do well at that, and other times I do not. But that's what I want to invite us to as an authentic biblical community. Authentic biblical community doesn't mean we come in and have therapy all the time with each other, right? That, that's, that, that, that might be, that's called counseling, and we have great guys like Dr. John Vanderkay, who's a counselor um, and a pastor that helps navigate from one problem towards a Christ-centered solution, but that, that's not just authentic community. That's a starting place for many of our community groups. Is, it's almost like a council group, like we share stuff and we encourage each other and all that. But, but there should be maturation, maturity happening that leads us into mission together. That, we inner, that we're inwardly cultivating so that we can be outwardly effective. And so I want us to understand that an authentic biblical community is a disciple-making community. In Mark chapter 12, uh, several weeks ago, I preached... Um, about the great commandment. And I, I want to begin by this. So the three marks of maturing disciple-making community. Number one, we love what God loves. Okay, we love what God loves. A, a maturing community is increasingly growing in our love and passion and desire for the things that God loves and desires. And guess what? There's nothing more desirable or more worthwhile than God himself. So a God-centered, God-glorifying community is one that cares about God. And what does God command us to? And Jesus answered when he was asked the most important commandment, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. So as a Christian God-centered community, we are called to love God. I know it's rocket science. You're like, man, mind blown. But we're called to love God and help other people love God. Right? That, that, that's the whole thing is that, that we are called to love God, to know God as we know God, to obey God, and authentic biblical community is coming alongside each other to help us to that end. I love, since it's the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation coming up at the end of this month, Martin Luther said this. He said, sin is nothing more than unbelief in the innermost being. And so when we're not believing truths about God, we begin believing lies and embracing those things, which leads us to act in disobedience to who God is and what God desires. And so this idea of living in a biblical, maturing community is one that is increasingly having a passion for God, not just an expressive passion in public, but also a private passion in our devotion and in our relationships and in our lives and with our money and with our time. Those type of things, as we mature, naturally begin to overflow into the areas of life that God actually cares about. God cares about God. That's good news for you and me. If God valued anything or anyone higher than he values himself, he would no longer be the supreme God, but an idol worshiper. And I stole that. It sounds very smart. I stole it from another pastor, John Piper. Just want to cite that one, because they're like, wow, that's deep, bro. You've really come a long way. Nope, I read. I can read and assimilate content. If God were to value anything or anyone higher than himself, he would no longer be fit to be God because he would be an idolater. There's nothing greater. And in community, we can come and say, I don't yet believe that. Or I love this addiction more than I love God. I value my desire here more than I value God. We come in with that honesty in community, but the goal isn't to stay there. The goal is to mature and grow from there. To admit that, hey, I, I don't love God with all of my heart, all my mind, all my strength, and all my soul. Quite honestly, if you're, if you're sharing the gospel with someone who doesn't yet believe in Christ or believes that their good works are enough, then ask them this one thing. Do you love God always with all that you are more than anything or anyone else? And if they say yes, they are a liar, so you got them on two counts now of sin. They don't. We don't. But that's what we're striving towards. Why? Because it's guaranteed. It's valuable. He's worth it. He is all-sufficient. He is satisfying. He is lovely and powerful and faithful and consistent and shows grace upon grace upon grace and forgiveness and love and mercy, and he lavishes it upon us. And as we begin to really understand how much God proactively chooses to love us, then the command to love our neighbor, not even the, the neighbors we prefer, but anyone we come across, to love them in the same way God has loved us, we then find the power to be able to do so, not because we will it to happen, but because we're embracing the powerful, immortal, eternal love of God. And as we have this powerful love of God, and we grow in understanding, we encourage each other towards that, we're then able to love others. And so we, as a, a maturing, disciple-making community, we love God's glory. We want to understand it more. And God's glory, essentially, is all of who God is manifested. All of his qualities, his character, his, his actions, his inactions. 
personified in and through the person of Jesus, and and we, we value Jesus as our treasure, and we admit when we don't. And then we walk together towards that end, and then because we love God and we care increasingly more about what God cares about, we then care about our neighbor, we care about the one, we care about the lost sheep, we care about the lost coin, we care about the prodigal, we care about the person or people who are far from God. Why? Because God cared for us when we were just like them. And so we don't rally to like evangelize because God's going to be mad if we don't. We grow in our understanding of who God is, and the overwhelming response is communication of what we value. And as we grow in our valuation of who God is and what he has accomplished through Jesus, it gets to the point where we can't help but to talk about it with each other and with those who are far from God. And even if we say, man, I I don't have the gift of evangelism, we'll get there in a minute, but we all have a story to tell. We all all have a, a savior to share, but because we love what God loves, God loves the lost person. How do we know that? Because all of us were once that way. And he came and he found us. And most of us he came and found not through dreams, but through people. He used other messengers to tell us about Christ. And so a a maturing community is one that starts saying like, hey, we ask different questions. We we start asking different value questions of what what are we valuing our time, our money, our, our, our consumption? What information do we put value in? What are we hoping for? Where are our dreams pointing us to? And we can have those honest conversations in the context of community because we're all growing, Lord willing, together to want to spur each other towards the most valuable person ever. So maturing community love. We love what God loves. But second of all, we grow as a body, not as body parts. That's a sign of a maturing disciple-making community is we grow together as a body. Look, some of you just need to get off like the, the, the spiritual growth, like me, growth wagon. Like you, you, anytime a Christian study or something comes up, man, you're there, you're knocking on the door, you're, you're just on the hook. Any Christian concert, any Christian candy, I think they still make testaments. That means people are buying those. For the love of Jesus, stop. We want to boycott something. Good night. Have you tasted those? Taste and see that the Lord is gross. Taste the testament. I'm done with that, but forgive me if that's your favorite mint. We can grow together in that. I probably won't change my mind. We are the body of Christ, not the body parts of Christ. Your BSF or your small group or your Beth Moore study or your guy study or your theological reading or whatever, that ingestion isn't just for you to grow closer to God. It's for the good of the body. How are you blessing the body through the way God is blessing you? How is your time in the Word and your need for encouragement helping you overflow in encouragement to other people who are needing the same thing? I think, I think the church... In America, in the church in the south, and the church in the woodlands is bloated sheep. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed my kid, disciple my kid, feed me, feed me, feed me. We get fat. Steph still giggles when I talk about the season where I thought drinking more protein shakes and not working out was going to help me lose weight. It didn't. Apparently, you have to lift things and move 
to form more muscle mass. This shake called muscle milk doesn't help unless you're using your muscles. And that's what most Christians are, man. I'm just not feeling really fed right now, man. I've only listened to 18 podcasts this week and read three different versions of the Bible and read Piper's book backwards again and blah, 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 blah. I'm not really feeling fed right now. Have you done anything with what you know? Have you done anything with it? Have you been more kind? Have you apologized? Have you confessed sin? Have you told God, God, wow, this is a lot of great information. Information doesn't save you. Jesus does. Information's not going to save your neighbor. You opening your pie hole and telling them about Christ will. God uses broken people to share a whole message to bring people who are radically lost to become radically found by his mysterious and powerful grace. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to camp here for just a minute. Or 14 verses worth, but we'll get after it. I want, to, I want you to see what... I'm not just coming up with this body idea to try to build unity. This is very countercultural. We live in a very individualistic time. Like at Christ Community Church, when we have membership or we're talking about partnership or whatever, we're saying we're going to bind together as a localized body on mission towards this end. Our vision for the next three years is all about making disciples in authentic community. Why? Because we exist to glorify God by making disciples who are growing and multiplying. Multiplying. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It blows my mind. When I came to faith in Christ, it blows my mind how competitive churches are with each other. I mean, that seems like Satan's plan. Because you divide and conquer. If they're not against us, then they're for us. Next Sunday, we're doing Serve the City. Part of it is to, to get out and worship through serving, which you need to sign up online if you haven't yet, like today. Part of it is to serve, but part of it is to partner strategically and intentionally with Providence North Community Church for the purpose of getting to know saints in other places and serving alongside one another for the sake of God's glory in the community. So this unifying hope of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is given to believers is utilized not just for your own individual goods and feel good and use. Your gifts of the Holy Spirit are given so that we can be unified as a body for the purpose of God's glory in movement of reaching people who are far from God, helping those who cannot help themselves. So it's a unifying understanding that, hey, if you call Christ Community Church your home, we're not all the same. I have this weird propensity to attract introverts just by a show of hands i'm going to make all you introverts uncomfortable but if you don't mind showing show your hand raise your hands if you're an introvert raise your hand proudly i know you're like oh this is the most extroverted thing you've done all day get over it raise your hand if you're an introvert raise around don't say hi to these people go look at them right now i'm kidding you can say right but there's a lot more of you i can start calling names but i won't do that i'll just say 90 percent of you are either functional introverts or actual introverts 
You're like, I at one time liked humans, but then I had children. Don't talk to me, right? I mean, <laughs> or now I have to work 60 hours a week. You know, I don't want to talk, right? But, but here's the deal. It's like some of you are gifted administration. Some of you are gifted at evangelism. Some of you are gifted with discipling children. Some of you are gifted with strength. Some of you are just generous. And here's what I notice in a maturing congregation is people, as we go through like spiritual adolescence, we start judging people who don't share our same gifts. And so I, I, one thing that's been common for me is I hear people who have the spiritual gift of serving get frustrated with those of you who do not. And I have to sit down with them saying, you have a supernatural gift that makes you a beast at set up and tear down. I can think of a few people right now that are in this room. It's just, there's a supernatural, God, Holy Spirit given gift of serving where you see a need, you feel that need. It doesn't even feel like work for you. And then there's those of us that are like, man, that looks like a lot of things to do right there. That's a whole bunch of curtains to stack up. I sure hope somebody will do that. You might have the gift of leadership. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Or the, or the demon of laziness. One of the two. So we'll have to sort that out in community. But the utilization of the body, and Paul goes on, verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, uh, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, what would not, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is God arranged the members of, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. If you belong to God and you call C3 home, you belong here. Even if you're not the same as other people. Even if you make certain choices different than other people. That doesn't mean you're better or worse on a lot of neutral issues. What it means is we need each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to use our gifts. I've heard people say, like, you know, you don't know how important a little toe is until you, you lose one. Right? I hope never to lose one, but I know I've stubbed a toe before. I don't pay attention to my toes, but if something like that is hurt, it affects a lot of different things. I remember one time I stubbed my toe several years ago, and I remember my hip started hurting because of the way I was walking, favoring my toe. And so the body was messed up. We need one another. We need our gifts. We need to identify what are the gifts the Lord has given me that I can bring as an offering to the body. And the challenge is, we need to appreciate those who have different giftings. I love accountants and CPAs. I've said that before from this very stage. They don't all often really love her like me. I'm not, I'm not as organized, and I'm not a detailed person. I drive detail people batty. I love detail people. Right? But, I mean, some of you have worked with me. You're like, man, you're really passionate, but, like, you're kind of a mess. Praise God, because some of you are like, I organize for fun. <laughs> Done, you know? It's like, you see a mess, you're like, ooh, goody. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go, right? I, I just, I don't know how to start, and so I learned to. But I know some of you just are drawn to prayer. You're called to pray. You, your first response when things happen, you pray for people. You care for people. Many of you are being prayed for right now by people you're not even aware of. Some of you are generous. You just love being generous. You love giving generously. That's just your heart. 
It doesn't make you better. It just makes you gifted. And it helps you emphasize and call and push others who haven't yet learned the generosity of God and how it then informs our generosity with our resources to disciple those people in that way. Last week we talked about being patient with each other, loving each other, bearing with each other, forgiving each other. We've got to lay down our our insecurity, which is pride, and our arrogance, which is pride, and say, hey, how can we band together to use what God's given us for the good of God's glory as his body? I love teaching the Bible. I, I aspire to do so around 40 weeks a year here. I get opportunities to speak at other places. But it's also important for you all to hear from other people within our community and within our circles. Because I'm not the only mouthpiece that the Lord chooses to use. And it's important for us, if we are serious about making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples, that we share the pulpit at times with other people in the church, not for an off Sunday, but for opportunities for other people with gifts of preaching to exercise those gifts and for us as a body to come be nourished by God and the Holy Spirit and to encourage and provide feedback and to help each other along. I appreciate that you all like hearing me preach, but it's pretty crazy sometimes I get Facebook messages or text messages like y'all are deciding whether to come or not if I'm preaching. We have a podcast. We can't be that type of body. I know we're conditioned to consume from church. We have many options out here to consume, and there's balloons floating around here. Does someone have the gift of balloon grabbing? Thank you, Paul. Can you take it outside and abolish the balloon? I'm just glad one of those haven't popped, because I know some of you suckers are carrying guns, so pop, right? So if you hear one pop, stop and look before you pull your piece and start shooting. Amen. All right. God is orchestrating and building this church with gifted people. My daughter is good with kids, Braylon. She's good with kids. And Wendy had a need, and so she texted last one night. We told Wendy last week, if there's a need, then Braylon can serve in the littles. She doesn't have to be a paid child care worker. She's a baptized believer taking communion in our church. And so we got a text last night, and so it happened that we had an extra C3 Kids shirt. She's back serving with one-year-olds today. That's not me to brag and say, well, look how godly we are. It's me saying, my daughter is gifted with little kids. And so she wants to serve, right? Some of you are like, don't put me around little kids. Don't worry, we have all the way up through fifth grade. So plenty of options for you. Stop by the table over there at the end of the service. All right. Verse 21, that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated without greater modesty, which, uh, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's this unifying empowerment when we come together saying yes to God, saying yes to each other, bringing what we have to offer. I don't know if you all realize the amount of administration that goes on on a weekly basis just for Sunday morning to happen. Hours upon hours, 20 plus hours in a week. 
Lori Holderman uh, has been stepping in as Julie's on maternity leave and has been doing an amazing job. But it's just, it's so much work to prepare an environment for us to be able to worship. We hired a full-time children's director, Wendy Galloway, because there's so many moving pieces and needs for coordination and volunteers and equipping and curriculum editing and, and choosing the right pieces to disciple your children. It takes tons and tons of time and requires tons and tons of volunteers. Those are not lesser roles or lesser people. Those are fundamental roles in order for this church to work. The technology we have, the people running slides and running sound, the band members, the hours that Gatlin puts into preparing a worship set and then communicating with his band and then practicing his craft and then shooting and making videos, all to have his computer crash yesterday afternoon, having to back up and start over again on some things, and then to have the screen not work so that we're not even playing it today. That's awesome, huh? Yeah. We need each other. There's a bad habit in in the church culture today to hire out pros to do the works of ministry. And as our church grows, we will have more staff, but if you read Ephesians 4 correctly, it's the elder's job to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. And that's why I get so frustrated with consumption, consumer Christianity, where we come and take, if we're dissatisfied, then we're going to complain, and then we're going to move on to someplace else, rather than coming in and saying, we are the church. We are C3. There's an issue, and I'm gifted at it. I want to help. There's a financial issue. I want to give. Look, some of you are not very theologically minded. Some of you are theological nerds. Like, just like you're like, Man, transubstantiationism versus consubstantiationism versus blah, 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 blah. You're like, yes, oh, I'm so excited right now. Premillennial, amillennial, post-mill, pre-mill, soteriology. Some of you are like, mm, I don't care. Some of you are like, I want to go talk to my neighbor about Jesus. You don't know God, you should know God. You should come to faith in Christ. And they're like, ah, and they do. And the consubstantiation guy is like, why didn't that work? Maybe he's not the elect to be predestined, to pre-trib, to be raptured into faith. I mean, some of you can go up, you, I mean, literally can walk to, to a wall and start talking to it. And some of you don't want to talk to anyone. So make an extroverted friend. Partner together. Find someone that can help. I love helping fundraise. I do. Angus and Carly Furs and Welsh have a large amount to raise to go to China. Am I allowed to say that like over video? Like, are you allowed to like people know that you're going to go to China? He's British, so he, that's how he says it. I'm just trying to speak so he understands me. Sure. Well, we can edit out. We can, we can like put in like somewhere or something like that. We can we can overdub it. But there's a lot of money they've got. To, they've got to raise a lot of money over the next year and some change to be able to go. Compassion International. There are more children who need to be fed than are currently being fed and cared for right? If you teach hope, we have a school in, in Kenya that we are paying. Uh, our church alone with some donors in this church and from outside the church are funding the entire school, right? And so I love thinking strategy and fundraising and talking and communicating and getting people excited and plugged in and, and helping connect their dollars to global or local impact. Our church gives money to church planners. I love helping church planners raise funds. Why? Because if you tell a good story, people want to be a part of a good story. And we have the greatest story ever told that we get to be a part of. 
that's intersecting with our lives and changing our lives and calling us to more of God, and we get to do that together. But some of you, when I say fundraising, you want to breathe in a sack or run, right? That's, that's the body. Some of you are like, I don't like fundraising, but man, I can account the heck out of some money you raised. Praise God. I can edit the grammar because you, you write like you speak, and that's not very good. Web design or video or, I mean, what is the gift? Rocking babies. Encouraging people who are down and out, using your former failures and the lives of those who are failing the same way to point them back to Jesus. See, this is all, this body is working together. It's redemptions being lived out in our community. And number three is this, our love is selfless and biblical. That's a mark of a maturing community. Our, our, our love moves from consumerism to me, 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 to God, to others. Our thoughts are more consumed by God and what He has done and the concern for others than always having to manage our image, our presentation. So part of authenticity isn't dumping all your problems and waiting to have more problems to dump your problems. Part of it is confessing your sin to be covered with the grace of God so that you can experience the power of God so that you can be used for the glory of God. And seeing lives transformed. Because that's where the fun's at. That's what makes it worth it. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. This love begins with a, def, a definition of when we say God is love, God is these things. Qualities of God's love is here. As we learn to love as God, agape, selfless love, as we learn to love as God is making us and molding us and freeing us to love, these are the marks of this type of love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things that type of love that's the love that motivates us to service and evangelism and discipleship because we have been so well loved we are then empowered and enabled and prepared to love others don't wait till your life gets better. In your sorrow and grief, love. In your frustration and in your addiction, move from yourself and love. Obviously, there are stages and seasons where we have, we've got to focus and, and fix. But quite honestly, some of you are stuck because you're not proactively loving. You're stuck and obsessed with your own issues that you don't bring yourself into inner other people's issues. Now, don't take it to the extreme of always entering into other people's issues so that you don't have to deal with your own. But there is something liberating of knowing you don't have to be fully put back together to be able to love and serve other people. To where you are, you can be generous and kind and you can share the good news of Christ. And quite honestly, if you're doubting your faith, one of the greatest ways to see it boosted is by sharing your faith. Because as you're evangelizing others, you're evangelizing yourself as well. Love is the why behind investing in the lives of others. Love is the motivation for this community. This isn't some sentimental, fuzzy-wuzzy love. 
I love meeting new people for like the first time, and then I use all my funny jokes, and I tell my stories. Traveling and speaking was amazing, because I just had to show up with like three solid talks out of the hundreds I've done, and like be really on point, and tell good stories, and make them laugh, and have good counseling things to say, and then I look like a rock star, and then I leave and go to the next place, and do the same exact talks, and say the same exact things to a new group of people, and it makes me look, oh man, this guy is, he's awesome. If you hang around me more than like three weeks, you're like, he's pretty much preached five passages the last three months. I have on purpose. I'm preaching through Mark. I'm helping us understand that loving God really is serious. It's not sentiment. It's proactive. We want God to be patient with us, but are we being patient towards God? Are we? You say you love God. Are you patient towards God? Are you kind towards the Lord? Do you envy God's movement in other people's lives or give yourself credit when God's moving in yours? Are you arrogant towards the Lord? Are you rude towards the Lord? Do you insist on your own way in your prayers towards the Lord? Are you irritable or resentful towards God? Do you rejoice in what is evil and wrongdoing rather than rejoicing in what God says is good? Do you bear all things with the Lord when things aren't going your way? Do you believe all things about the Lord when you don't feel like you do? Do you hope in all things when things seem hopeless? Do you endure all things? Well, maybe you're not loving God. See, we always want to hear how God loves us and he does so these ways and he's patient. We've got to be more patient with people, but we're impatient towards God. And that might be one of the things that's robbing your joy in him. You might be wealthy because you're smart and you're a good business person or you have a wealthy family, but guess what? God's the one that provides it. God gives it, God can take it away. You might be beautiful and attractive. In an instant, something could happen that changes that. I mean, life is happening in our lives. And and when you feel angry at God, I understand that. But don't stay there. God, I don't know what you're up to, but I trust you're up to something. Your word says that you do all things for good for those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. I don't see the good right now, God, but I know you do. Help me be patient with your timing instead of always pushing my own. It does not insist on its own way. How's your prayer with the Lord? Someone recently asked me, said, Casey, if your church never grows beyond 150 adults, would you give up and leave? I said, no, if that's what the Lord wills, if we are faithfully proclaiming the gospel, if our people are growing in faith and discipleship, and they're sharing the gospel and being rejected frequently with the people in our community, they're inviting tons of people to church and no one's coming, that's the Lord's will that we're going to continue to pray and continue to share the gospel. And my value is not put within how many people are sitting here in these chairs or how many people watch the videos or anything else. That's not my worth. But I do want to see signs of growth and maturity. And signs of growth and maturity means multiplication. If something is growing, it will multiply. We will plant more churches. We will raise up more leaders. We'll see pagans become planters. Those things are happening, will continue to happen. But sometimes I'm impatient with the Lord, and I'm impatient with where we're at. But our love is selfless and biblical, and the more we understand God's love towards us, and we begin to say, God, I don't really love you the way that you love me, and I don't really even think about that. I mean, half of you, when I said, maybe more than you, when I said, hey, this love is patient bit, how is that going towards the Lord? You're probably like, I don't really think about agape towards God. He's got the love thing covered because he is love. 
But if we're created in the image of God, we're created for communion with God, then we're created to love like our God loves, beginning with God. It's not here to bash you over the head. None of us love God as we should. That's why Christ came in full obedience and full love to God, so that through Christ we might be acceptable to God and empowered by his spirit, informed by his word, encouraged in community towards loving God and growing in faithfulness. This love, though, as we understand it and as we lean into it, that leaves us and leads us to sacrifice because of God's generous sacrifice for us. As we begin to understand the wrath of God that is justified and right, as we understand the penalty of our sin that is death, as we understand those things, then the rescue of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God is that much more beautiful and enjoyable. We don't get what we deserve, and we get what we don't deserve. That's mercy and grace. And as a community that's growing, we, we begin to admit that, hey, one of the greatest sins that you and I are committing is we don't love God like we should. And then that plays out in our addictions and our things that we keep running back to. Right? But part of it is just not cultivating that type of love. We're not pressing into it. We're not enjoying it. We're not growing in it. And we need to be encouraging each other towards that, but we can't find it in each other. See, when, when, when community gets bad, where community becomes an idol, is where we look for everyone else to solve our God problem, when only God can solve your God problem. And that's when you start feeling resentful. Look, people can't fix all of our things. Christ can, and people can help us towards Christ, but we've got to be honest. I sat with two grown-ups, two grown men this last week, helping them reconcile some issues. Because neither were brought up, discipled on how to handle conflict. Two great books on that. If all of us read it, man, it's got, we're going to be healthy. Crucial Conversations and The Peacemaker. If you want to start growing, and some of you get frustrated with people because you're not using your words. We say it to Abby all the time when she's five, use your words. But adults, use your words. If you're believing a story that someone's thinking about you, ask them if that story is true. If it is, then you have a right to be mad. If it's not, then clarify. Save yourself some emotion. Think about what it is that we really want. What are we really after? When Christ is at the center of community, there's a whole bunch of grace and forgiveness where people who aren't all alike can come together, enjoy God together, and grow. Look, at Christ Community Church, it's okay to not be okay. But it's also not okay to stay not okay. Why? Because of Jesus. He's made a way for all things to become okay. And certain things won't be healed on this side of eternity, but a lot can be. As Christ Community Church, we want to be an authentic community that's disciple-making, that is helping each other, that is spurring each other on. You don't just need to have a disciple, or you can disciple one another. You can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. You can confess sin and pray over each other. We did this powerful thing. My friend, uh, Pastor Justin, led us through this time of honor. We gave honor to one another, um, the men. And then we also, after the last session, did a time of confession. And we didn't fix or solve or anything else. People just confessed where they were with their sin, and somebody prayed for them. And we let that confession sit with God and that person, but you weren't alone any longer. That's the type of thing we want to cultivate here. We want to be a community where we can come broken and see Christ put us back together so that we can go help other people meet the one who can put them back together again. Almost ran into Humpty Dumpty just then, but I'm not going to do that. I want us to be a place where the broken are welcome 
but they don't stay that way. I want us to be a place that is broken for the lost. I want us to be a place that is known because we're praying, not, not showing off our prayer, but the power of God is manifesting in our community. And the only way that really comes to be is if we devote ourselves to prayer. I want to be a place where we don't just have a lot of kids and have to deal with them, but we have a bunch of kids and see the opportunity to change the world through seeing them come meet Christ and be discipled and transformed. That's why I want you to be a part of that. It's slow and it's thankless at times and many years of, you know, many times it feels like it's falling on deaf ears, but just in my own child's life. Many of you have had a touch in Braylon's life. You were there to celebrate when she was baptized. She's now serving as a part of our body, not as just a pastor's kid, but as someone who wants to help because Christ has helped her. Many of you have had an influence on that. I know some of you who are teachers, and you've, you've been in it under 10 years, you don't really see the reward in teaching, but having been involved in ministry now nearly 20 years, having kids who are like in their 30s now that I was their youth intern, who are elders in their church, happily married, loving Jesus, discipling their children, baptizing their kids, man, it's worth it. But part of the reason we get so frustrated and so angry that we're not consuming, that we want to consume more, more studies, more time together, more community, is because we're not in the game. We're not reaching the lost. We're not making disciples. We're not going through hard things because we're putting ourselves out there. We're not being rejected, which really is Christ being rejected, but we're not going through the rejection because we're not putting ourselves out there. And if we're not putting ourselves out there in faith, then why do we expect God to use us or bless us? This is a great invitation, a great opportunity to join with us to make disciples in authentic community, to do your part and understand that, hey, not all of you are going to be like me and I'm not going to be like you. But together we'll come together utilizing the gifts God's given us, praying and hoping in Him, loving Him, encouraging each other to love Him and each other and our neighbors and see lives transform for the good of the Gospels. An authentic community is a disciple-making community. One exercise I want you to do this week is to go back and think of your faith journey and pick out some highlights. Put your storyline together. Pick out some highlights where you had moments where God spoke to you, where where you became a believer, where you doubted your faith, where a person at just the right time said or did something that really helped you. Maybe a low point or a dip in your faith, but, but put together the story of your journey and begin to see God at work. And then maybe find someone in your community group and say, man, I'd love to share this timeline with you and, and show where God's been at work and celebrate together. I think sometimes we get so close to life that we miss God at work. I have all my old prayer journals. Sometimes I go back and read it and it's like, I, I, baby, I was looking at one uh, for several years ago, six years ago. There's a little flip prayer journal I have for you and for Braylon. I was asking God for another baby. But we're asking for a miracle because we couldn't get pregnant, and the Lord gave us Abby. We were praying and asking God for friends for Braylon because for many years here at the church, we have people leave all the time because their kids don't have friends here. My kid hasn't had a friend here like for the first four or five years she didn't that were like not five years younger than her. And we would pray and ask God, and God has brought friends for her. I remember the first three years, Steph was just looking for a couple friends because she felt very lonely out here. We moved from Brenham. We had really close friends in Brenham. We, I had already moved her from Sugarland a few years before that. had really close friends there. And we moved her out here, and she didn't understand why people were wearing workout clothes when they weren't going to work out. Now she wears workout clothes when she's not working out. The other day I went to the office wearing workout clothes when I wasn't going to work out just Someone's like, hey, you didn't dress up. I was like, no, I'm a Woodlands woman. It was awesome. <laughs> they laughed because another guy was in his workout clothes too. But then I worked out after that. But anyways, 
I mean, it's, it's coming, it's, it's like asking God, reflecting what God has done. Pray for your neighbor, your hard neighbor that has no desire for God, and, and pray that God moves in his or her life in such a way that you can be there to be a soft place for them to land so you can point them towards Jesus. Pray for that coworker or that family member who doesn't know God. And as you grow in maturing in your love for God, as you grow in love for him and encourage each other towards love for him, the love of Christ becomes way more tangible and real. Discipleship is the aim, not, not just community, not just feeling connected, not affinity. Discipleship. We come together, we get to know each other, we build relationships, we go through stages of community that are maturing, but eventually we must be teams of missionaries. The cost is too great, the need is too much for us to just stand by. God is inviting each of us as Christ Community Church to be the church and to see lives transformed. We are C3. We are Christ's church. Let's pray.